I want to uh, go right into the Word of God tonight. I'm going to be teaching on seeking the God who sought after me. Seeking the God who sought after me. And I want to preface what I'm teaching on tonight by sharing some things that I think are vitally important for us to understand. And there is a presumption in the church that everybody understands this, but in reality, after 25, almost 26 years of, of ministering, I'm convinced that people don't understand this like they really need to understand this. I think that it's very, very important that you realize that the responsibility, once you have become a Christian, shifts to you for you to aggressively seek after God. I think it's important that you understand that. You'd be surprised that the people who give their life to Christ and think, okay, I have arrived, and they sit down and they think everything is like cruise control. It's automatic. It just happens on its own. But in reality, it does not happen. You have to become an aggressive Christian. An aggressive Christian. And, and, and I'm scared to even take off on aggressive because I could, I could stay there all day. Uh, because one of the things that as I pray over this area, because the Lord sent me to this area, so you begin to pray over the principalities uh, over this area, one of the great challenges is to see God's people become aggressive. Aggressive. We, we're, we are far too passive. And, and, and passive people get left behind. Yeah. You have to be aggressive. You have to be aggressive for the things of God. You have to be aggressive after your vision. You have to be aggressive after your dream. It's, it's not going to happen if you don't force it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And it's critical that you begin to understand that. If you don't understand that, you're going to lapse, lapse behind other people who are more aggressive, and you're going to begin to question, is God treating you fairly? And you're going to say you're waiting on God, when in reality God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you. God, God is waiting on you. Say that to somebody. Say, God is waiting on you. Last week I taught you that tearing was something that we did until the Holy Spirit came. But once the Holy Spirit comes, we don't have to wait for something that's already here. That's true of everything that God has for you. You're not left in a position where you're waiting on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on you. And when you aggressively begin to pursue those things, you put yourself in a position for God to bless you. Okay. I want to know what do you believe tonight? What do you believe? What do you believe? And, and then I want to know how do your works correspond with what you believe? If you're believing that God is going to do blank, how, do you, how can I look at what you're doing and, and see your faith in your actions? Because if you really believe that God is going to do anything in your life, your, your actions need to line up with your faith. And you wouldn't have nearly as much need to tell people what you believe if they could see what you believe in the actions that you produce. I find that people who do some of the most shouting do the least work. Because we seem like we have a responsibility to tell other people about our faith rather than to just live out our faith. And when you start living out your faith, you don't really need to exhibit it publicly so much because you're living it every day. You're living it every day. It's, you, you don't have to talk prosperity. Just be prosperous. <laughs> just, just, just do it. Don't just, don't just tell me about healing. If you've got to give to healing, just, just heal. You don't have to tell me that you're a prophet. Just prophesy. See, 
a lot of times we're so busy getting the recognition that we don't meet the requirement. Just, just do it. Just do what God has given you to do. In order to become a doer and not just to hear the word, you have to become aggressive. Now, I say that, and I want to say that with some temperance, too, because some people are on the other extreme. They're aggressive. They're aggressive, but, but they have zeal, but zeal is not according to knowledge. They're very, very aggressive, but their aggression is just wow, and it's born out of the flesh. And it's born out of their uh, ambition and their greed and, and even out of their need. And that's not what I'm suggesting as a solution either. Because if I, if I leave it like that, I'm going to get all kinds of people who are aggressive, but they're not in the will of God. Because the Bible said it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So I'm not just saying just go out there and do something, because we've got a lot of people going out and doing something. But I'm talking about getting your actions to line up with your faith. The Bible said write the vision in Habakkuk. He said write the vision and make it plain, and let him that readeth it run thereby. There ought to be a correlation between your vision and your feet. You ought to be able to watch my feet the, where I'm running and see what I've written. Let me look at that again. Write the vision in Habakkuk 3, I believe it is. Write the vision and make it plain and let him, the 2, Habakkuk 2. Write the vision and make it plain and let him that readeth it run thereby. So, so you're running in alignment with what you're written and you're, you have written what God has spoken. So if I want to know what God has spoken and I can't get to what you've written, I need to be able to sit back and watch how you're running. Because you, you ought to be running in alignment with what you've written, and you should have written in alignment with what God spoke. Am I making sense to you? I want to get into some things tonight. I think it's going to be worth the gas you spent to get here tonight. I really do. Go to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. A little tired in my body, but I'm well in my spirit, so uh, just bear with me. Okay? Go to Philippians chapter 3. Gosh, this is wonderful. Chapter 3, verse 7. And I want, I want you to listen to what Paul says. I, I just think this is so wonderful. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. This, this, this is a whole transformation of his thought process. There were certain things that Paul was proud of. He was educated. He was intelligent. He was articulate. He spoke several different languages. He was a law keeper. He was a moral person. He was zealous concerning the law. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. These were all things. He was a Pharisee. These were all things that he could brag about. He was a part of the Sanhedrin court. He could brag about all that. He said, but the things that I counted as gain, they became lost to me. He said, my whole value system turned around when I came to Christ to the point that a lot of things that were important to me ceased to be important to me anymore. And, I, and, and you need to examine this text in your own heart to see if you've had this experience. Because a lot of us have just whitewashed the old man and come to Christ, but we are basically who we were before. And, and, and I'm not talking about a change right now. I'm not talking about a change in your behavior as much as I'm talking about a change in your priorities and your thinking and what's important to you. Because if that doesn't happen, you'll get saved and you'll start manipulating the power of God to go after what you always wanted before. So if you don't have a conversion where a conversion where converted, converted in your thinking and in your priorities, then you get in the church and you're in the church, but you're manipulative in the church. 
and you manipulate, you pray, but you're manipulative in your prayer. And you, you want God, but you only want God to do what you want done. And then when He doesn't do what you want done, guess what? You backslide. Because you're not serving God for God, you're serving God so that He can serve you. Mm. Paul says, Yeah, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, of, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He said, Everything that was important to me, I counted as dung, manure, feces. When I held it up against how important it was for me to win Christ, it became worthless. This comes from a heart that is convinced that winning Christ is wonderful. Now, I'm going to talk to you about seeking God, but, it, but if, if you don't see Him as wonderful, then seeking Him will just be work. Okay, it's 6 o'clock. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for an hour. Oh, Jesus, 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 I wish you was here. This is as low as our... God doesn't want that. No more than you want somebody forced to kiss you. Okay, let's get it over with. All right, all right, I read the contract. I'm supposed to do this. Let's get it done. You have to know that seeking Him would, would be the highlight of your life to... to to touch Him, to find Him, to embrace Him, to know Him. You have to be a person who runs after God like that. It cannot be religion. It cannot be duty. It cannot be coercion. It can't be for title. It can't be for promotion. You have to decide that He's wonderful to you. And when you begin to seek Him like that, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's get into this. He said, I counted it all but done in verse 8. Verse 9, he said, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He said, I don't want to be found in him being religious and to have my own righteousness, which is a result of me keeping the law. He said, but I want to win this righteousness that comes from knowing Christ. I want, to, I want it to be born out of intimacy. I want it to be Christ in me and not me in me. Does that make sense to you? He said, be, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. I'm just, my, something that's just leaping down on the inside. To, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. That he, he would find me full of what I professed. That he would find me possessing what I profess. He said, that's why I'm chasing after him, because I have professed something. But now I've got to go back and make sure that I possess what I have professed. Because it's a dangerous thing to profess something that you don't possess. It's a dangerous thing. It, see, it's not dangerous for this brother not to be able to sing. That's not dangerous. But if he starts bragging about what a wonderful singer he is, and he professes something he doesn't possess, that's dangerous. Because I'm subject to whip up a mic up on him in here and say, let's, let's hear what you got. Okay? So anytime you profess something that you don't possess, it's a very dangerous thing. And he said, I don't want to just, just, just profess or confess something that I don't possess. Even though when you profess Christ and when you confess Christ, he, go, he goes ahead and marks you down as being righteous. He said, but now i got to go back and possess what I profess. Otherwise, if I don't do that, then I make my entire testimony a lie. 
And he said, I don't want to be found. The old folk used to sing, don't let him catch me. Don't let him catch you with your work undone. I, I, I don't want to be found not having been aggressively pursuing after him. Okay? And then he says, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable unto his death. He said, I want to know him. And notice that he has assumed the responsibility of knowing him. He's not sitting back talking about, well, if he want me to know him, he just show up. No, he is aggressively saying, I need to know him. I need to know him. I need to know him in every capacity. I need to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his resurrection. Don't leave out the fellowship of his suffering. Don't leave that out. Don't leave that out. Don't let any of these new age positive thinking people make you leave that out. Because there are some things about God you can only learn through suffering. There are some things about your companion you can only learn through suffering. Good times don't reveal who you got. Now, you can say whatever you want to. Anybody will eat filet mignon with you. But when you, when you get filet bean, he says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering, and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I don't want to just be a fair weather person who shows up when things are going well. I want to go through the whole process. I, I, I want it to be Christ when things are right. Christ when things are wrong. Christ when I've got lots of money. Christ when I don't have a dime. I want to know him consistently in every area of my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is good. He says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, if I'm going to really complete this thing unto the resurrection of the dead, I have to possess it. I have to know it. I have to be sure. Now look at this. Verse 12. It's just such a blessing. It's such a blessing because when Paul says this, it frees all the rest of the preachers and the bishops and the apostles and the prophets and everybody else not to have to be phony. Because this guy is writing primarily the larger part of the New Testament, particularly the epistles. He certainly has made the primary contribution to the, uh, uh, the epistles and, and New Testament doctrine. And he says, he openly says, not as though I had already attained. He's writing the Bible. And he said, I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm so glad he said it. I'm so glad he said it. If he didn't say anything else, that helped me to adjust my expectations. It freed me from having to be phony. I don't have to be a hypocrite. I can be straightforward and say, now you know good and well, if Paul wasn't there, he's not there yet. You know the rest of these jokes is not there yet. And, and I always play that over in my mind when they come up and try to convince me that they're there. I'll be, I don't say anything to them. I'll smile and everything, but in the back of my mind, I say, Oh, and I just, oh, we just, oh, we haven't thought any evil. We've always done everything wonderfully, and we seek God, and we just lay before Him, and, and we just got Kool-Aid coming out of our water fountain, and all our children were born speaking in tongues, and they quoting scriptures, and Mary and I just intercede for people all over the world. And I'll smile, because we on TV, we got to smile, but I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe a word of it. 
I don't believe a word of it because Paul said not as though I had already attained. He said, I am not there. And he sat up there writing the Bible we're preaching out of. But what I like about him, he doesn't say, I haven't attained and sit down. Because the other extreme is people say, well, you know, I'm not there yet. And they just go wild. They go all the way off. They got a license just to let flesh rip. Okay. But Paul says, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. He said, I'm not perfect. I'm not. And when we think perfect, I don't want you to think flawless. I want you to think complete. He said, I'm not complete. I'm not, I'm not finished. I, I haven't arrived yet. There's still deficiencies in my life. But then he goes on to say, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I follow after. He said, the reason I'm chasing hard after God. Is that I, it's not so that I can finally get my bills paid. It's not so I can get out of debt. It's not so I can drive a Porsche. It's not so I can impress everybody. It's not so that I can be deeper than anybody or out preach anybody. He said, I don't do it. He said, I need to apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I need to catch the God who caught me. I need to seek the God who sought me. Now, 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 notice the first, the first apprehension was God's responsibility. It was Christ who apprehended Paul. He apprehended him. But then he says, I gotta turn around and chase after the God who chased after me. So the relationship doesn't end when he found me. He found me. He found me. And then we just sit down. No, he said it didn't end there. He said, once he found me, he said, now that should provoke a thirst in you that makes you turn around and chase him so that I can apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. It, it's almost like tag. When somebody run and tag you and say you're it and then you turn around and chase. Or, or if, you, if, you, if you're over 40 or anywhere around 40, there used to be an old song that talked about the hunter gets captured by the game. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad out of all of them, she nodded. She know what I'm talking about. The rest of them is phony. Got Claire all in their hair and everything. I like they're too young to remember. Y'all probably know the verses. How many people remember the hunter gets captured by the game? It's about 10%. Okay. Five more years, it'll be less than that. We're getting old. But, 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 but the whole, picture in your mind, the hunter who has pursued the game, now the game is pursuing the hunter. God, who pursued you, now says, pursue me. He sought you out and then turns around and says, seek me. And Paul says, not as though I had already attained, neither have apprehended, but he said, I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of. He says, I have to aggressively pursue the one who aggressively pursued me. He found me. I didn't get saved because I aggressively pursued the Lord. I was running from him. I wasn't thinking about him. I was going about, I didn't even want to see him. 
He invaded my life, got in my business, got in my affairs, chased me down, put a hook in my mouth, and snatched me in. That's how I got saved. I got saved like that. It was no choice. It was no option. I tried to resist it. I worried about it. I cried about it. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was ready. I didn't think I could keep up. It didn't look like it was no fun to be saved. I wasn't through doing my thing. I was too young to be saved. I didn't have time to go through that with them church people. And I don't want to be bothered with that. And maybe when I get old, then you come in my life. I don't want to be bothered. All the while I'm saying that, he's reeling me in. And what I want you to see is that the responsibility to apprehend that which I'm apprehended of is, is really what I want you to understand. And, and after he saved me, after he saved me, I realized, I realized that he knew me. He, he, he knew me. He told Jeremiah in, in chapter 1 about verse 8, he said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, I ordained thee, I sanctified thee to be a prophet unto the nations. He knew me. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this shield, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He knew me. He knew me. Mama didn't know me. Daddy didn't know me. Sister didn't know me. Brother didn't know me. Girlfriends didn't know me. Teachers didn't know me. I didn't know me. I didn't know me. I've been living with me all them years. I, I was still a mystery to me. How many of y'all are still puzzled at stuff about you? Still finding stuff out about yourself. You, I mean, you don't even know what foods you like. I don't like that. Now, all of a sudden, halfway through, now you do like it. Some stuff you didn't eat when you was 12, now you eat it at 20. All that kind of stuff. You don't know you. Some stuff you said you'd never do, didn't you do it? You don't know you. You, you don't know you. You did it and not lied about it. Don't want nobody to know you did it. Like Sarah. Sarah laughed and the Lord said, you laughed. She said, no, I didn't. She lied to the Lord. He knew me. I want to go just a little bit deeper with that. He knew me. I knew what I had done, but he knew what I would become. <laughs> he knew how far I would run. He knew how fast I could run. He knew how high I could leap. He knew what my potentials were. He had factored in my flaws, my weaknesses, my failures, my inconsistencies. He had tabulated them against my gifts, my talents, and my resources. And he knew the sum total of everything I could ever be. And he is the only one in all the world who completely knew me. Getting saved was not enough. Getting saved just started it. Because when he saved me and he says, I know you, and turned around and walked away. And I said, oh no, you can't leave right now because I got some stuff I need to ask you. I need to ask you. I need to, I need, I need, hey, wait, 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 why, why, 
why am I like this? And, and why was I created this way? And, and why didn't you allow this person to raise me? And why did you allow me to go through this? And why do I think differently from other people? Why do I feel this way? No, you can't walk off yet. We got, we're not through talking. We're not through talking. Tell me who I am. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can become. Tell me what I can have. He, he knew that I said, oh, I got to chase him because it looked like he was getting all that I may apprehend. Seeking the God who sought you. What a process. What a challenge. Go to, go to, go to, uh, let's go first to the book of Genesis. Because I just want to expand upon this. Chapter 3. Verse 8. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Here comes God walking through the cool of the garden looking for Adam. Does Adam look like he's looking for God? In fact, he's going in the opposite direction. He is hiding from God. So who is the aggressor here? God. And when it comes to salvation, God is the aggressor. Did he not say, ye have not chosen me? But I have chosen you. Oh, yes, he said it. He said it. Sure, he said it. And he meant it. He, he chose him. He pursued him. Read on. And the Lord God called unto Adam. And, and the Lord, you don't hear where Adam was hollering, Hey, God! Jesus, 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 Don't pass it. Wow, Lord of us, how I call it. Do not. You don't hear none of that. You don't hear none of that. Adam is down there hiding, talking about, he'll be gone in a minute. All the while, God's voice is walking through the garden. God is pursuing him. God is calling his name. Adam! Adam! Where art thou? He's the seeking God. He sought you out. He looked you up. He found you when you were going in another direction. He pursued you. He chased you down. He stepped into filthy things to pull you out. He was committed to delivering you and snatching you out. He is the seeking God. He aggressively pursued you. He didn't just say, well, someday when she decides to get saved, I guess you'll get... No, he was aggressive about it. He put it on your mind. He gave you the ability to think, to want, to thirst, to call. He wooed you. The Bible said no man can come unto the Father save the Spirit drew him. The Spirit drew you. You didn't just say, well, I just decided one day. I was in my sins. And I hear people all the time testify to Christ. I was in my sin. I just decided. Two o'clock in the morning, I just decided. No, you didn't just decide. He gave you meat of repentance. He gave you the gift of repentance. He put it in your spirit. It didn't just happen. It was the Holy Spirit that touched you at 2 o'clock in the morning, gave you the mind to be saved. He found you. He snatched you. He aggressively pursued you. Adam! The seeking God. Now, now I, I don't want to belabor this because I, really, I could really spend some time on this. But see, it, it's not amazing that I would seek God because I need Him. See, if I go out of here after church tonight and I don't have any gas in my car, it wouldn't be amazing that I would seek for the gas station because I need some gas. But you don't normally see the gas station out there running around seeking the car. 
And that's what you're talking about when you're talking about God looking for man. God didn't need man to complete him. So you're looking at his amazing grace and mercy and favor and kindness because God didn't need. Man couldn't do anything for God that God couldn't do for himself. But in his grace and in his mercy, he's calling for a fallen man. A messed up man. A man who's fallen in the sin. He wasn't even a clean man. He wasn't even a good man. Anybody else would have threw him away, made another one that looked just like him, and the whole story would have been different. But God said, no, I want that one. Well, he messed up. I still want... Oh, it's an amazing thing. Read on. Let me, let me go on. I heard thy voice in the garden, mm -hmm. and I was afraid, because I was naked, and mm -hmm. I hid myself. Mm -hmm. That's enough. That's enough. And Adam starts all his excuses, you know, lying and everything. And God's still dealing with him, still working him through the process, just like he does all of us. Well, the reason I'm like this is, uh, I was born on a Tuesday. I'd have been born on a Friday. It wouldn't have been like that, you know. My mama didn't have her teeth in her mouth when she was in labor. And, you know, I can't find my dad. And all. We got all these reasons. And God aggressively pursues us anyway. But it doesn't end when he finds you. Go to Song of Solomon. Let me show you something. Song of Solomon. Uh, let me see. I'm not sure where. Chapter 2, I think. Chapter 2, verse 8. Song of Solomon. The voice of my beloved. Just a moment. Yes, sir. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. If you're watching, if you're listening over the Internet, I want you to know that there's a reason that God has you tuned in tonight. There's a place in God that you will only find when you begin to chase hard after Him and pursue Him. I would challenge you to move every obstacle and all interference out of your way because God is getting ready to take you to another level that you've never gone through before. And there's a reason that you've logged onto the Internet tonight. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you specifically because over the next few days, as you begin to seek the face of the Lord, God is going to turn around some situations in your life that you have been praying about for a long time. A long time. A long time. A long time. And you've got a list of things you want God to do for you. But God says He has a list of things that He wants you to do for Him. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He's yet near. Let the wicked forsake His ways and the unrighteous man His thoughts. God has a warrant for your arrest. He's challenging you tonight in the name of Jesus. Begin to seek Him like you never sought Him before. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. But I have a word from the Lord for you tonight. God is going to turn those things around only when you seek His face. Don't seek the thing. Seek His face. As you seek His face, God is going to perform the thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one. 
and come away. Listen at that. She says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh. He's the aggressor, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe. He's like a young deer. He's like a young heart. Behold, he standeth by our wall. He looketh forth at the window. He showeth himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. He came all the way up to the window and says, now you come after me. So, look at chapter 3, verse 1. By night on my bed, I sought him. By night on my bed, I sought him. Being exposed to him created an appetite for him. God did not show himself through the lattice for you to say, Okay, that's enough. I'm satisfied. I've got enough Christ to take me to heaven. He just showed himself through the lattice of your circumstance so that you would be intrigued enough to get up and seek after him. Watch the progression of this woman's search. At first she says, By night on my bed I sought him. Whom my soul soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. She said, I couldn't find him laying down. I tried to seek him in my comfort zone. I tried to seek him and stay in the position I was in when I first saw him. I tried to seek him and stay within a place that was easy for me and stay where I was when I first saw him, but it did not work. And many of you are trying to lay in the bed and seek God. The same bed you were in when you first saw him, but it is not enough. If you are going to have him, he may have showed himself while you were laying in the bed, but in order to get the fullness of what he has, you have to get up from where you were and go to the next level. He said, rise up, my beloved, and come away. Look at your name and say, you have to do some traveling. You're going to have to do some traveling. You're going to have to become aggressive enough to get up out of that bed you're in, that slump you're in, that comfortable, sleepy, lackadaisical, lazy, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me place. And you're going to have to become aggressive and follow hard after him if you are going to break that stronghold that the devil keeps using over your life. You will have to break down and aggressively make him a priority and begin to seek hard after I mean hard. I mean hard. Not sleepy time prayer as you fall asleep. She said, I tried it in the bed. It didn't work. I tried to seek him and stay where I was. Uh, All right, where are you? Uh, All right. I want to be a Christian. Oh, yes, Lord. She said, but I found him not. Read on. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets Uh and in the broadway. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. She said, I'm going to get up out of this bed if I have to hit the streets, if I have to go out of my comfort zone, if I have to start coming to Bible class in the middle of the week, if I have to lay on the altar, if I have to turn my plate over and fast, if I have to start breaking down and studying my Bible, even when there's nobody there to teach me, whatever it takes for me to get this breakthrough. She said, I have got to find him. I may have to come out of my neighborhood. I may have to worship with people where I had to drive further than they did to get the word. I may have to worship with people who don't look like me. They may not look like my color. They may not be my culture. They may not be my kind. But you know, wherever I have to go to get the anointing that I need over my life, I'm willing to do it because I want the blessing of the Lord over me. 
Read on. The watchmen that go about the city found me, mm-hmm. to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? Mm-hmm. It was but a little that I passed from them. She said, I went to the watchman and I asked him, have you seen him whom my soul loveth? This is a process. This is aggressive. She tried seeking him in the bed. She couldn't find him. She got out in the street. She couldn't find him. She went to the watchman. She went to her leadership and said, have you seen him? Do you, do you all know God? And she said, it wasn't but a little while before I passed by him. And ultimately, if you're going to know Christ, your relationship with Christ cannot end up with his bishop preaching. You might start there, but you can't stay there. After a little while, you have to go on a little further and go to the next level. She says, it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him. Read that. But I... But I found him whom my soul loved. Mm-hmm. I held him. She said, I found him for myself. I didn't just know him through my pastor. I found him for myself. She said, I held him for myself. I loved him for myself. I had an intimate relationship with my God myself. It took some work. It took some effort. I had to travel. But ultimately, I found him. I held him. And I loved him. And would not let him go. I would not let him go. Read on. Until I had brought him into my mother's house. And until I had brought him into my mother's house. And into the chamber of her that conceived me. And into the chamber of her that conceived me. She said, I'm taking him to bed. I'm bringing him into the banqueting house. I'm making ready for a covenant relationship. I'm going into intimate relationship with him. We're going to consummate our relationship. I'm going to have the pleasure of the relationship. I'm going to know him in my everyday life. I'm going to have a depth in my relationship with God that becomes personal and private. Not church, not public, not part of house, not denominational, not church of God, not church of God in Christ, not church of God in prophecy. She said, I got to go past all of that and know him for myself. All that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. Good God, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody, hold on, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. I don't want to just go to church and go home. I want to know him. I want to know him. I must find him. I must apprehend that which I'm apprehended of. She said, once I got a grip on him, I wouldn't let him go. I apprehended him. I snatched him. I held on to him. I didn't let anybody shake my faith or move me away from what I believe. I got a grip on Jesus and I wouldn't let go. Is that making any sense to you? Seeking him who sought after me. Seeking him. Does not come naturally. Does not come without effort. It does not come while you're going about your business. You have to become aggressive. I used to think, I used to think because uh, I, I came up around old preachers. Many of them were famous. If I listened, you'd never know who they were. 
Oh, but they knew the Word. They knew the Word. And they knew the Lord. Oh, gosh, they knew the Lord. They knew the Lord. They didn't, they didn't know anything about audiences or crowds or anything like that. They, some of them was teaching Bible class on the front porch. But they had a depth and an anointing that, 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 that you seldom see. You, you understand? And, 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 and when I first got saved, I thought, okay, they, they know the Word because God called them. They just know the Word. And isn't that wonderful? And I thought, I used to go up in the prayer line and have them pray for me. Pray for me that I could know the Word. Pray for me, you know, that I'd have the same depth in God. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And I, I kept getting prayer until I finally figured out that you cannot get that through divine osmosis. That, that I don't care if I rub you down until you as greasy as a... Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken Leg, it will still not negate the fact that you got to pick up your Bible and study. It will not take the place of your prayer life. See, see this generation doesn't believe that, and that's why we got such weak Christians. Because we just believe that somebody's going to pray us into the next level, but the old folks believed in coming in and laying out before God. They come to service where nobody preaching. Wasn't nobody teaching. They come in and lay out on the altar. I mean, the, the whole service would be people laying on the altar, just stretched out before God everywhere, calling on the Lord. The only star was Christ. You try to get this generation to go into some real fervent prayer, and if it lasts over 15 minutes, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the God's heaven truth. You cannot get people to pray ten minutes. Forget watch with me one hour. Watch with me ten minutes. And you got to entertain them. You got to have the right singers and they got to be able to sing good. All the microphones have to be right. The sound has to be right. The parking has to be right. The, everybody has to smile at them coming in the door. If everything's right, the air conditioner's on, the lighting's right, the, the seats are comfortable. If everything's right, they'll stay a couple of hours, and then I dare you to go past 9 o'clock. But see, when I got saved, we didn't have no air. We didn't have no padded pews. We didn't have no sound system. And couldn't nobody sing. But baby... Oh, I mean, could none of them sing what you said? But the power of God. <sighs> when are we going to get tired of the foolishness and the form of godliness and the rituals and the routine? When is somebody going to get hungry for Jesus and say, Lord, I just want to know you. I'm not going to worry you about the car. I'm not worried about the house. I'm not worried about going on the truth. I'm worried about knowing you. All that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. Oh, my God, somebody better come get me because I feel myself about to go up in here. Just, I just, I just want to know you. I just want to, I want to know you. I want to know what's important to you and what's not important to you. I want to know what matters and what doesn't matter. I want to know how to walk with you through tough places. I want to know how to hold on to you in a hurricane. Because life is a hurricane, baby. It's a hurricane. 
It's a hurricane. I, uh, Yolanda said, while riding through the storm. I want to be able to maintain my focus while riding through a storm. Because before you get out of one storm, here come another storm. And before you deal with that, here comes something else. Lord, help me to hold the car while riding through the storm. This is good. Go in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6. Hallelujah. Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He said, don't do anything to be seen of men. Don't do it to be seen. Don't do it to show off. Don't do it to impress me. He's getting down into your motives. Oh, that's a deep thing right there. That's a deep thing right there. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. He said, and I want you to make sure that your motives are right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. One of the hardest things to purge yourself from is bad motives. Because bad motives can exist and nobody knows it. Nobody can see it. People don't preach on it. And you get by in church 25 years with bad motives. You can be a manipulator and rise all the way up into the hierarchy and nobody say anything because you're doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Oh, God. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Read on. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, mm -hmm. do not sound a trumpet before thee, mm -hmm. as the hypocrites do in the synagogues mm -hmm. and in the streets, mm -hmm. that they may have glory of men. Mm -hmm. Verily I say unto you, they mm -hmm. have their reward. He said, when you do it to get the glory of men, you have gotten your reward. God says, okay, I'm through with it. You impress them. That's what you want. They're your God. Now, you, your God has blessed you. Because he refuses to allow us to manipulate him so that we can impress people who need him as much as we do. Who is in here to impress anyway? Just in the back of your mind, when people start talking real crazy and, and, and over important and think there's so much, just in the back of your mind, even if you don't say it to them, in the back of your mind, just think, who are you? I don't get it. Read on. But when thou doest arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, mm -hmm. that thine arms may be in secret, mm -hmm. and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. The father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let me say this to you too. It, it may be a long time coming. But God has a long memory, and he never forgets. 
And anything you do for him, he will reward you openly in due season. Everybody may have forgotten it. They may not acknowledge it. They may not, you may not get the reaction that you thought you were going to get for them. You don't need it anyway. Because God, all while you're doing it, God is writing. All while you're doing it, God is writing. And I'm a living witness that I've spent years of my life giving like a fool. Giving like a fool. Looking like a fool. Giving stuff I needed myself. Giving at bad moments and ridiculous moments. Everybody said, you're crazy. You ain't going to never have nothing. You ain't going to never have nothing. They're making a fool out of you. They're just using you. But all the while, God was right. When God got ready to pay me, I did, I did. See, when God got ready, you're talking about pressed down, shaking together, and running over. See, see a lot of people quote stuff that I've, I've been living. I hear him talking about it. I got to see it. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. Double for your trouble. Didn't even have to come from the same place you planted it. You planted it over here and you reap it over there. When he got ready, because what God wanted me to have was a giving spirit. It's a spirit. It's an attitude. Because when you open up to give, you open up to receive. The same thing that you have to have in order to be a great giver, you have to have to be a great receiver. It's the same thing. You can't think nothing of it when you give it, and you can't think nothing of it when you receive it. Because as long as you think so much of money, God can't ever give it to you because it's your God. And it's too much to give away, then it's too much to give back. But when you don't pay it no attention going, and you don't pay it no attention coming, God said, I can trust you with the blessing because you won't let nothing separate you from me. I've watched stingy people all my life. They'll never be blessed. Nickel and diamond. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me Now, wait, wait, wait. wait. Now, wait, let me see. Because I'm going to say right now. And they'll never end up with nothing. Because their capacity to receive is only as big as their capacity to give. God who sees in secret will reward you openly, financially, spiritually, emotionally, in every area of your life. And what I love about him is that in the day of your trouble, he will not forsake you. (laughs) I didn't say you wouldn't have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But in the day of your trouble, he will not forsake you. David said, by this I know 
that the Lord is with me, for he has not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. He said, that's how I knew God was with me, because he didn't let him whoop me. See? Read on. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Mm-hmm. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners mm-hmm. of the streets, mm-hmm. that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Mm-hmm. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, mm-hmm. and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which now, is Now, same thing as the woman said, I brought him into my chamber. I brought him into my private place. I brought him into my secret place. This is, this is private prayer and public answers. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This, this, is not, this is not the public, showy, impressive stuff. This is that private, secret whispers. Driving in the car at home at night. Where, where you begin to, suddenly you begin to recognize that you've never in your life driven home alone. All of a sudden, you become aware that He's with you. And, 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 and when God becomes so comfortable and so much a part of your life that you don't even have to address the, the letter by saying, Our Heavenly Father, you just continue the conversation. Because you've been talking off and on all day. So right in the middle of the trip, you say, And you know... These become a part of your life, of your life, of your life, that, that nobody should be able to write your story and not mention him. He is your secret weapon. He is your secret counselor. He is your secret confidant. He is your secret partner. He is your secret ally in a crisis. He is your secret weapon when all hell is breaking loose in your life. He's your secret motivator when you feel like giving up. David said, he is the lifter up of my head. Every time he said my head dropped, it was God that came along and picked it back up again. On down, on down in that sixth verse, verse 25, he says, take no thought. Verse 27, he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, he says, and why take ye thought for raiment? Verse 31, therefore take no thought. Verse 34, therefore take no thought for tomorrow. He said, these are all the things God says you won't have to think about. Not how you're going to be clothed, not about the weather, not about finances, not about situations. He said, if you will do what verse 32 says, verse 38, 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Underline that seek. The kingdom will not seek you. You have to seek it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things that you're worried about. God said, when, when I become your primary interest, you won't have to think about that. He said, the reason I left you to think about that is because you weren't thinking about me. And the more you showed me you weren't thinking about me, I let you have things to think about. But if you would think about me, it's good, isn't it? Going to chapter 7, verse 7. 7, chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Wait, slow down. Yes, sir. 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Okay. Now, now, ask, and it shall be given you. It, it, It begins with a verbal request. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. But it doesn't stop there. Because the next thing says, seek, seek, and ye shall what? Find. Now, you know, how many of you know there's a difference between asking and seeking? Mm-hmm. Seeking is more progressive than asking. It is more progressive. It, it, it means I'm going beyond just mentioning this. I'm willing to get up out of my bed and find it. I'm going to find it. I'm I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find it. I I really believe to this day that I'm living out of the reservoir of things that I sought God for in my youth. I mean, just 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 foolish things. I'm I'm not telling you to do it. I I remember being young, doing crazy stuff. I was I was in high school seeking the Lord, and and I was walking down the the uh, road. It, it was lunchtime, and and I was walking down the, the the sidewalk, and I closed my eyes, and I said, Lord, this is how much I trust you. I'm not telling you to do this. <laughs> and I kept on walking. I walked across the street. I crossed through traffic and everything. Now, you, that's wild and that's crazy. And I was young. I didn't know any better. But you know what? I was trying to tell him something. I was trying to tell him, this is how much I want you. This is how much I'm willing to seek you. I'm after you. I'm willing to turn over my plate and fast. I went days without food, just fasting, seeking God's face. I was reading my Bible. I got felt so in love with my Bible, I got in trouble at school. Everybody else was supposed to be reading the history book. I had my history book up front and stuck my Bible down in my history book because I couldn't put it down. I was seeking I was seeking him. And I think the women can relate to this. You know, when a woman gets pregnant, she, she, her eating habits change because she's carrying something that demands to be fed. I was carrying a destiny that demanded, demanded to be fed. I mean, it, I don't mean it was optional. It demanded to be fed. I, and, 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 and it makes sense now. you got to understand, it makes sense now because you caught the end of the movie. But at the time I was doing it, it looked stupid and ridiculous. I wasn't, I, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a bishop. I wasn't even a minister. I was just somebody saved in the church. 
just 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 in the church hungry. Just 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 hungry. Snatch it. I want to know more about everything, more about the Holy Ghost, more about His Spirit. What are the gifts of the Spirit? How do they work? What is the fruit of the Spirit? How do I know I possess the fruit of the Spirit? How do I manifest it in my life? What do you mean to be anointed? What does it mean to be gifted? Is there a difference between being gifted and being anointed? I want it to know. And I wonder, I wonder, are you carrying anything in you that demands to be fed? Are you pregnant? Or are you just here? When you read in the Old Testament, where those Old Testament women, almost every woman in the Old Testament started out barren. An empty womb wailing before God. Give me a child, lest I die. To, to have an empty womb doesn't physically hurt. Yet they screamed out in pain. Isaiah says, Sing thou barren woman, thou that didst not conceive. For the children of the barren woman shall be more than the children of the barren wife, of the married woman. He said, when you, when you come from emptiness, that emptiness, when you cry out to God and you say, I refuse to live my life with an empty womb. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. When you see anybody walking in the anointing and in the spirit, it ought to provoke you to jealousy. A really, a really, a really good preacher makes you feel stupid. Make you feel stupid. Makes you go home and say, I got to get in this word. I got to do better than this. I'm behind. I can't. I mean, uh, somebody who's really anointed, they provoke you to pray. And you say, Oh, God. Oh, I want to know you. Because what other people show you is that it is possible to know him better than you do. And the very fact that it's possible ought to provoke you to jealousy until you cry out like, Hannah, I want to have a child. I'm tired of seeing Panana have all of these children. If Alcana can get Panana pregnant, he can get me pregnant too. So you have to start seeking. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, knock, knock. When you finally find a place, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Good God, good God, knock. Now, if you come to my house, don't come, but there's <laughs> too many of y'all. <laughs> my house is too small for y'all. But if you come to my house and you knock, your knocking lets me know you're there, but your knocking don't open the door. So, so when I open the door, you cannot say my knocking opened the door. No, it didn't. It just let me know that you were there. I had to open the door. And when you get through seeking and asking and knocking, it's still God that opens up the door to you. Have you ever had God open something for you? <laughs> have, have you ever had God open?
happen something for you. Can I tell you how wonderful it is when you've been knocking at something and you couldn't open it yourself and all of a sudden God just opens it up? Can I tell you how special it is? Now, don't nobody keep knocking at a door if you don't believe somebody's in there. And the reason some people don't seek God is because they're so convinced that they got it all. That they don't seek Him. But some of us are hungry. Hebrews 11. Are you getting anything out of this? I hope you do. All of you that were, last week we were praying for people seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many, many people got filled with the baptism. I mean, are there any of those people that got filled with the baptism last week? Are you here this week? Wave your hand at me. Wave it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. There's one. There's some over there. There's some over there. There's some over there. There's some. There's some. There's a whole group back over there. Some over there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did anybody get filled at home? Anybody got filled at home or got filled in the car or got filled after service? Hold your hand up. There, 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 back there, back there. About five or six folk back there, back there, all the way back here. Brother got filled in the car, in the house. God don't care where you are. If you seek his faith, God will come in the bathroom, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Somebody give him a praise right now. (laughs) Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. I don't even have time to talk about that. (laughs) Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Your faith is something so important and yet so fragile. So fragile. And, and, And really what I've learned after years of walking with God is what the enemy is really after. The enemy is not really after your money. What is the devil going to do with your money? The devil doesn't need your money. The enemy is not after your car. He's not after your car. The enemy is not after your job. What is the devil going to do with your job? He don't want to work for them. You know what he's after? He's after your faith. And, and he'll shake all of those things that can be shaken. And if your faith is in any of them, he's got it. But if your faith is in something that cannot be shaken. When he gets through touching everything around you. And you're standing there and you're crying like Job. And you say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And you say, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Job lost everything but his integrity. They were talking about him like, I thought you were so righteous. If you was righteous, you wouldn't be going through that. Where's your God now? 
Thought you was a rich man. You didn't gone broke. I knew you wasn't nothing to Look at your kids are dead. Your marriage has gone bad. Your house burned up. Your crops are gone. Your investments destroyed. You're sick in your body. You're diseased in your flesh. He lost everything but his integrity. You know why? His integrity wasn't in anything that he lost. And if you don't seek God, you'll have faith, but your faith won't be in something that the enemy can't shake. And as soon as the enemy shake down your job, or shake up your house, or shake up your marriage, you'll backslide and say it wasn't nothing to God. But if your faith was built on a solid foundation, I'm not saying that if you got faith you won't cry. I'm not saying you won't hurt. I'm not saying you won't get depressed. But when you get to going through all of that plethora of feeling, you'll still rise again undaunted and say, I still believe it. I believe in broke. I believe in sick. I believe in lonely. I'm divorced, but I still believe it. Okay. Let me hear it on. Hallelujah. I don't know nothing you need to hold on to like your faith. I don't know nothing you need to hold on to. You cast not away, therefore, thy confidence, in which there is great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Patience! Just believe I'm going to come out of this. If you stop believing that, you're going to go down. Just believe it. I believe I'm going to come out of it. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what I have to go through. But I still believe I'm coming out of this. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please Him. There is nothing harvested in your heart that God is interested in like your faith. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your voice. He doesn't need you to draw for Him. He doesn't need anything you've got like He needs your faith. To not believe him is an insult. Oh, God. One of these days I'm going to tell you. I tell you, he's done some stuff for me you wouldn't believe. Without faith it's impossible to believe him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And if you don't get anything else, get this. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently... God said there's no way you can seek him and not be rewarded. He said if you diligently seek him... There is no way you, I don't care 
You could be Snoop Doggy Dog. You could have been arrested three times and just got out of San Quentin. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what university you went to. I don't care if you can't spell your name. I don't care what you're up against. God said there is no way that you can diligently seek Him and not be rewarded. So if you don't get the reward, it's your fault. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know anybody who ever became successful at anything that they didn't diligently seek after. In most cases, if you got it any other way, you lose it. That's why people who hit the lottery are broke in a year. Because it didn't cost them nothing, so they lose it easily. The strength of keeping it is in the pursuit to get it. She said, when I finally found my beloved, I got a hold on him and I wouldn't let him go. Paul said, I intend to apprehend that which I'm apprehended of. And I'm going to keep on pressing until I have brought him into my bedchamber and he's become a part of my most intimate life. Finally, Psalms 27. Still talking about seeking the God who sought you. He says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, birth one. Whom shall I free? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. It is obvious by the first three verses that David has really been in a fight. I mean, I mean a real fight. I don't mean where something came against him. I mean a host encamped against him. War has risen against him. And yet, yet his mind doesn't seem moved by any of these things. He doesn't seem, seem like he's read Matthew 6. He doesn't seem to have taken no thought about any of those things that rose up against him. And you can't figure out how he could have that kind of conflict and have this fearless faith until you get to the next verse. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Mm-mm-mm. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 8, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. 
I'm going to tell you this, and I'll let you, let you go. When, if you study David's life, you will find out that the whole reason that God chose him to be king is because David was seeking his face. When Saul was rejected as king and Samuel was weeping over Saul's rejection, God said, why are you weeping over what I've rejected? He said, I have found me a man. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. Somebody got to help me. He said, I found me a man who is after my heart. And I want you, I want you to understand this. I want you to, he wasn't saying that David was a pattern of his heart. Because David had a whole lot of issues. David had a whole lot of mess. David had some stuff, y'all. But the thing that got David promoted wasn't his morality. It wasn't his integrity. David had one thing going for him. He was seeking after God's heart. God said, I found a man who is after my heart. He's writing me poems. He's singing me songs. He's dancing on the mountaintop. He's blowing me kisses in the air. And he said, I'm going to make him king. David's whole qualification, his whole qualification for being king over Israel, and incidentally, he's the greatest king they've ever had to date. His whole qualification wasn't his training. He didn't even come from a royal family. He come from the hood. God said, I promoted him because he sought my face. Now, when you get through trying to get promoted all these little sneaky ways, you're trying to get promoted. Sooner or later, you're going to find a promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. And when you get tired of seeking people and you finally get on your face and start seeking God, God's going to open up things for you that nobody else would give you. God said, I have found a man. Who is after me? I finally chased the guy who was chasing me. He will be king. When you start seeking God, you will be king. And you see that back. Good night. God bless you.